0: This morning, I want us to turn our attention to David's friends. Friendship is one of the greatest themes, I believe, other than salvation and and those things we know that have to be there in the Bible. It's one of the greatest topics That I believe that we can study and to thrive and to build and to acknowledge and to make things flow the way God intended for them to flow. It was read just a moment ago in Proverbs 17 and verse 17, a friend loveth at all times and a brother is born for adversity. And when you you flip over to Ecclesiastes, that was read just a moment ago as well, in chapter 4 and verses 9 through 11, it, it gives us that description that two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one... Notice this wording. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe unto him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. a great description of that friendship you know god created us to have companionship it's a fact of god that he made us to be social to interact and to develop relationships And to be involved in others' lives. God made us that way. And this morning I ask you the question as we look at this topic as David's friends. Who are your friends? Who are the people... That you trust, the people that you confide in, the people who you allow in your inner circle of your life and to help you navigate your life. Who are those people? Those who are are more than, uh, who mean more than just uh, a list on Facebook. What kind of friends are they? Are they godly friends? Are they making you better and a better person? What kind of qualities do they believe in and have? Do you share those same qualities and belief with those friends? And I'm not talking about whether we like Tennessee Titans or Pittsburgh Steelers or do they share those same spiritual qualities? And do you share those and do you believe in the same thing? You see, David was someone who knew how to pick the right kind of friends. His companions, as we have studied Epitomized what godly friendship. It showed us what godly friendship is all about. And this morning, I want us to consider and study for just a few moments that we have together two friends that David had. David had wisdom in picking his friends young people and older as well, David picked those friends that would lift him up. That would help him through the darkest times of his life. And they would support him. And they would share the same beliefs as, as in God and, and do the things that God would have them to do. And you know one of those friends was Bathsheba, or not Bathsheba, <laughs> Jonathan. I'll get it there. He was friends with her, believe me. But one of those great friends was Jonathan. And when you you, you gotta think about this as you replay that story and that throughout that what we know and what we've studied. What would David had done differently if Jonathan was, had still been there when that great temptation with Bathsheba came? You see, Jonathan had died. Would things have turned out different if Jonathan had been alive and had been there to advise David and say, David, you don't I know you've already looked upon her and I know that you, what you're thinking Don't you do that You know that's against what God has said and you know the consequences you see David knew what kind of friends to pick and that's the kind of friends we need we don't need friends that go ahead and say, oh yeah, go ahead and do that thing. Let's go ahead and experiment with that drug or experiment with uh, sexual relations before marriage or let's go ahead and experiment with this in, in, in adultery or whatever the case may be. We need those friends like Jonathan that was there to support him. Now I want you this morning to go with me to several passages, take your Bibles, and we're gonna start out in in 1 Samuel. And we're gonna start out in 1 Samuel chapter 19 in verses one through six. And once we read that, we're gonna go on over to chapter 20 and read verses one through four. And then we're going to go over to chapter 23. So it's kind of in a sequence order here, okay? So 1 Samuel chapter 19 and verses 1 through 6. And Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. And Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, seeketh to kill thee. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take heed to thyself until the morning, and abide in a secret place, and hide thyself. I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where thou art, and I will commune with my father of thee. And what I see, that I will tell thee. And Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul his father, and said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant against David, because he hath not sinned against thee. And because his works have been to thee, were very good. For he did not put his life in his hand, and slew the Philistine, and the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel, that thou sawest, sawest did, and did this rejoice. Wherefore then wilt thou send against innocent blood to slay David without a cause? And Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swore, as the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. Saul lies right there. You see, Saul is crazy. He is off the charts. Jealousy. All sorts of things that he's dealing with right here. Now go with me on over to chapter 20. And let's read uh, verses 1 through 4. And David fled from from Naoth into Rathon, what have I done? What is mine iniquity and what is my sin before thy father that he seeketh my life? And he said unto him, God forbid, thou shalt not die. Behold, my father will do nothing, either great or small, but that he will show it me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. And David sware moreover and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he saith, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. Then said Jonathan unto David, Whatsoever thy soul desireth, I will even do it for thee. Jonathan and David had this discourse. Jonathan, my dad won't kill you. And David says, yes, sir, he is. There's only just a step between me and death. Now turn on over to chapter 23 in verses 15 and 16. And we're going to go back and we're going to take and analyze and, and, and give some commentary on these three verses. So we're looking there at 23, verses 15 and 16. And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened or encouraged his hand in God. Now, when Saul tried to take, I want us to notice a few things about Jonathan. When Saul tried to take David's life unjustly, what did Jonathan do? He stood up to his father, didn't he? Back in chapter 19, verses 1 through 6, we read just a moment ago, he refused to carry out his father's evil plot to kill David. Jonathan was a man who always stood for righteousness. Jonathan was a good man. He was a good friend, a good person, a righteous man. And you've got to understand and remember that during this time, David is becoming that very popular person, remember? He's becoming well known and, and, and the people are singing, and he's killing his, his thousands and 10,000, 10, hundred thousands, and Saul, only a small amount. He's a rising star. And we know the story. Saul has become jealous and very angry. and Saul is not going to keep his promise. But we see that that Jonathan here is is supporting David and he's being loyal to him. When you see in chapter 20 and verses one through four, you see that loyalty. Even when he disagrees with David about Saul, notice what Jonathan does. He promises never to betray him. He expresses his love for David He accepts that David will be the next king of Israel, unlike Saul, and he begs his friends not to kill him once he ascends to the throne because Jonathan knew how things normally went because Jonathan was next in line to be king, but he knew that God had already anointed David. David. So we see that he's he's supporting him and stands up for him with his father, and we see that he's loyal to him. No matter what, I'm going to be loyal. I promise to you never to betray you. You see, that's the characteristics that we need in friends. You see, Jonathan could be self-centered and be all about me, and say, oh, I hope you do. Experience this and experience that because I want to be king. You see, when you have friends like that, they're not truly your friends. It's kind of like when I was younger and I first when I first got a pickup truck. I told you all the story. After I graduated high school, I didn't have a vehicle before, but after I graduated, I found an old truck for a thousand dollars. The only good thing about it, it was get you from A to B, and sometimes back from B to A. But once I got that vehicle, I had all kind of friends. I, I'd fill up the whole back end of the truck. Back end, you could ride in the back of the truck. You see, friends like that are just short lived. There are many people out there, old and young, young that want to be your friend like that. As long as you got something they need, they're there. Have no interest in anything else in their lives. But he was loyal. Jonathan was loyal to him. And when you go on over in chapter twenty-three and those verses we read there in verse fifteen and sixteen, we see Jonathan was a great encourager. When David flees and goes into hiding from Saul, notice those words there. He didn't say he just lifted him up or he just encouraged him or strengthened what King James says, strengthened his hand. He didn't didn't strengthen him in, in bringing him things. He may have supported him with food and stuff, I don't know, but he didn't strengthen him with gifts. He didn't strengthen him with, with a lot of words and say, I'll, I'll be there, I'll do this and, and, or strengthen things of the world or, or whatever the case may be. He didn't say, hey, let's go get drunk. Let's go get high. Hey, let's go find us some wild women or, or go find a wild party. He, he didn't say those things to him. He didn't say, let, let, let's do all these sinful things. This friend and the friends we need he said he encouraged him what? In God. You see, young people and old people alike, that's the friends we need. That when things are in the ditch, when things are in the gully, we need friends old and young that's going to strengthen and encourage us in God. And not things of the world. That's what we need. That's what we got to have. Because that friend. You share those same beliefs. And you share those things. That yes we're going to do what's right. This is a tough time for both of us. And we're going to do what's right. No matter how hard it is. He was an encourager. He was a godly friend. Who used The wisdom. Of the Lord to strengthen David. And again, this shows us what kind of friends we need. A friend that will always recognize sin in our lives and call it out to us. This morning, I ask you, do you have Jonathan's in your life? Do you have friends who stand against God and promote the the will of God? Do they stand against God or do they promote the will of God? Do they promote righteousness in their words, in their actions, in, in those things? Do they promote those things? Now, every one of us have friends. We have an inner circle. We have people whom we trust. We have people whom we've been friends with probably since preschool. But friends change. People change. Priorities become different as people get older. Do you have those loyal friends that encourage you in God? Better yet, let me ask you this question. Are you a Jonathan to other friends? Kind of puts the shoe on the other foot now, doesn't it? Are you a person that talks to your friends about God? Are you a person that uses scripture to encourage someone? Are you that person that says, hang in there, don't give up, keep on keeping on. We're going to make it to heaven one day. That's our ultimate goal rather than, oh, we're going to make it to the next party or we're going to make it to the next new whatever that comes out or or whatever the case may be. See, there's a whole big difference in those two types of people. Are we being a Jonathan, standing through good times and bad? But what about Nathan? What about Nathan, David's other friend? We read about Nathan, and there was a prophet who, if you remember, as we studied a little bit this morning about it, who confronted David about his sin with Bathsheba in 2 Samuel 12, verses 1 through 7. He was not some random prophet, if you remember, who just popped up out of nowhere to talk with David. And, 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 but he and the king had a friendship. They had a relationship before this moment. And they, it lasted through, through uh, uh, many things that, that went on. And when you go to 2 Samuel chapter 7, or chapter, uh, excuse me, uh, chapter 7, verses 1 through 17, you see that, 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 that whole relationship before them. Nathan and the prophet, and, and he's talking about building the temple here, and, and, and this, that, and the other, and Nathan has to tell him, says, no, you're not going to build it. Your son, there's too much blood on your hands. They had a relationship way before this moment of Bathsheba, See, they consulted, Nathan and David consulted about different things. But what we most remember, what? Is that Nathan is the one who exposed David's sin. And as Nathan exposed those things, that his sin with Bathsheba, as we studied this morning and and he compared the, the lamb and the rich man and the poor man, we need to remember that Nathan could have been killed or even imprisoned. But he was a friend that loved God and he cared for David. And David helped overcome, and he helped David overcome those risks and himself as well. Nathan, after exercising the courage to confront David, he said, that's the friends we need. As we studied this morning, the king repented, didn't he? He says, I have sinned. You see, that's the friends we need. He confessed his sins and got brought back on the spiritual track. And David humbly accepted the consequences of those actions. He didn't try to deny them, he didn't try to make them go away through time. He accepted the responsibility of his sin. Let me ask you this, do you have a Nathan? Do you have someone, I hope you do, but do you have someone in your life who won't turn the other way when he or she notices that you're doing something wrong? Or do you have someone that will always be what well, I call a yes man? Yes, go ahead and do it. Yeah, man, that's cool. Man, I can't believe you're gonna do that. You're awesome for doing that. Do we have those Nathans? You see, Ephesians 4 and verse 15 speaks of the thought of us speaking the truth in love. You know, a lot of times the way we handle situations determine the outcome sometimes. A lot of times it does. That person who comes to you and says, I'm concerned about your soul. How do you respond to that? I'm, I'm concerned about the, the people I'm seeing you with, or I'm concerned about the places I, I know you've been going, or you've told me about where you're going. Or I, I'm concerned about how I'm hearing you talk. I'm concerned about where uh, where I see you going on on social media and, and on the Internet, and I'm concerned about those things. I'm concerned about that you haven't... Uh, been coming to church, we've been missing you. How do you respond to those things? Will you respond like David and say, I have sinned, and make it right? Or will you be that one that chews them out? They might even go and do the atrocity of defriending you on Facebook. Or they've got it now to where you can just defriend or not do a follow or whatever, and they don't even know it. What kind of friend do you have? How do you treat them when they question you on those things that you post on social media? That's a big thing. How do you respond to them? How do you respond to when someone comes to you about that uncontrolled anger? The way you've spoken to people or the way you've spoken to, the, to your family or your friends or coworkers or, or, or brother and sisters in the church. I, I don't know what it, what it might be. How do you respond to that? How do you respond to when they question you about your lukewarmness? You know what that means? means that you're no longer on fire for the Lord. You're just existing. You put the Lord first every now and then. How do you respond when they come to you and say, I don't see you growing. I don't see that zeal that you once had for the Lord and serving and doing those things for the Lord. How do you treat your Nathan? Do you listen to them? do you humbly accept their help? In conclusion, the greatest friend we could ever have, and you know the answer, is Jesus Christ. Have you accepted his friendship? I'm not saying by just saying I accept you as my personal savior and praying some sinner's prayer. Have you accepted Jesus' friendship on his terms? His terms is hearing the word of God. So then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Believing that there's a God, there's Jesus, and, and there's his way. Confessing his name before men and recognizing that you are a sinner, repenting of those things and then being baptized for the mission of your sins. Have you accepted that friendship? That's the most important friendship that you'll ever have. John 15 and 14 speaks those same things. We need Jesus in our life. When the preacher preaches those things that you don't like, or the friend or mother or mother or dad, or whoever comes to you and says, "That's wrong. Are you bitter? Or do you really do a self-evaluation? Do you make that stable? You have no business being in my business. This is my life. You have no business sticking your nose in it. I hope you all here this morning most importantly have Jesus. But I hope you all, if you don't, will go out and find you a Jonathan and a Nathan. There's plenty of people out there who represent Satan. But I hope this morning, if you don't have that person or persons, that you will find them. But most importantly, I hope you will find Jesus. This morning, whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand and as we sing.